This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. These elite performers out there in the world that are doing things so different, yet doing things exactly the same, really do lead with their heart. They all have a mission, and it's about caring for other people before they care for themselves. That's Don Barton, speaker, author, and servant leader on this episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. Along with Armin Asadi. We're so glad you're able to join us for this episode to put your faith to work and to bring your bold ideas to life. Now, I mean, we got a great guest lined up for, you know, we say that every time, but you know, I, <laughs> all our guests are pretty great. I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. You know, I really am. And we just, uh, we just have a terrific line lineup. I was going to say we, we've had a terrific lineup, but we have a terrific guest on our program for you today. And in the a conversation, I don't think you're going to want to miss. We're talking to Don Barden. He's a speaker, an author, a professor, advisor, a coach. He's an all around guy, does a lot of stuff. He's the owner and managing partner of the Perfect Plan Company and the owner and CEO of 3CI. Don has an MBA in global technology management and international business. He's a classically trained economist, fluent in international business affairs and technology. He teaches decision-making processes to the U.S. Army Rangers, and he was awarded the top 30 most transformational leaders for 2017 in North America by John Maxwell. We are so delighted to welcome to the program, Don Barden. Don, welcome to the Bold Idea Podcast. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. I mean, I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Yeah, so have we. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm really curious, Don. You covered almost all the pillars of society. I, I, I see in your background, you got education, you know, so in academia, uh, business. Uh, you're, you're speaking to, uh, in the in the government, military. You, you've served in churches or spoken to church audiences, Right, so you've got just a whole breadth of experience that we can talk about and dive into. But before we get into all of that, give us your backstory. What was your early childhood growing up like? How, how did you come to faith and, and how did you get into the work world? Wow, well, well uh, yeah, so I'll be happy to jump into that. Before I do that, though, I want to thank you guys. Um, what you're doing with this podcast and the mission of going out there and letting people know is, uh, is perfectly fine and to have permission to be bold and have great ideas and that it's actually very faith-driven, very Christian. It's who the God of the universe is, um, you know, the great creator. And by continuing to encourage people to do that, um, I just want to say thank you to both of you because um, I'm excited to be on the show, but I'm really more excited about the mission and, and the work that you guys are doing. So oh, man, thank- well, well, thanks a lot. And, and so that's our show for today. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks, Don. That's great. Super. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll give you the quick synopsis of my, uh, my life and my faith. It's been very much a Forrest Gump type life. You know, if you go back and watch the movie. <laughs> Or like Tommy. a box no of chocolates then, or what? Yeah, I have no idea where it's going, <laughs> but uh, God continued to lay a unique path on my life, just like he did everyone's life. Um, I do think I was pretty good about taking the path. Um, sometimes it worked uh, really well, sometimes it didn't, but every time was great and better than the, the step before. But I grew up in a traditional, hardcore Southern Baptist you know, you're going to hell anyway, so you might as well give up type of a family. Uh, we made the Catholics look great, you know. It was uh, when it comes to guilt. But I just grew up in one of those old, old school things. And um, I'll be honest with you, I never understood this thing about love and God because everything mm. seemed to be so formative and so 
dreary <laughs> and you know you can't do this you can't do that and i grew up very very confused as mm. a christian uh, about what was happening in life but i never lost my faith i just knew that there was something um out there let me ask you a question i'm kind of curious here i don't know why but but when you, you you grew up in a very strong christian family i'm just wondering was the propellant of that more your mom or your dad or were they equally pretty pretty committed I think they're both very committed um, in their lives. And, um, you know, Christianity is just like, uh, I guess that box of chocolate, we're really stuck on that. But it's like, um, you know, it's whatever you choose. Uh, you know, Jesus was a wonderful Jew. He was not a Christian. Um, and he, he taught about faith and love and God and, and everything. And, and the, the faith came out of, you know, his actions and the actions of the apostles and how the church grew. So uh, if, you, if you look at it, there's a lots of different varieties and it's perfectly fine. Uh, it's a buffet, you know, whichever path uh, you, choose to, to go down as long as you understand that that love was there. But I think uh, both of my parents growing up in equally uh, super fundamentalist uh, families uh, made it very difficult to understand love and made it very difficult mm -hmm. to understand um, what this great, wonderful, beautiful God we have who cares for us every day and looks after us as a father, as Abba. Um, I never got that when I was a kid. I was just scared to death um, that there was this big, booming Charlton Heston type God, um, <laughs> and it was not going to work out real well at the end. Um, and that's just the way it was. So it was a Christian, but it was not Christian uh, understanding the love and faith uh, that I've grown to know and believe in today. Well, when did that change for you then? Uh, May 23rd, 1996 at 4.30 in the afternoon. To that be exact. pretty specific. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, who's, but who's keeping track? <laughs> yeah. yeah, who remembers those days? You know, just another normal day. Uh, no, I, um, I was uh, uh, working really hard. I spent about 25 years of my life on Wall Street, and I was deep into that part of my career at the time. And I was always a faithful person. I always believed. I was always the good guy just to be straight up. I was the nice guy who took care of other people, tried to do my best, but there was something that was missing. And a gentleman had told me a story about a weekend event that was coming up for men only in Atlanta. And it was gonna fill the stadium, the, the old dome. And um, he said, you need to go with your church group. And I said, well, I don't have one. And he said, well, you ought to figure out how to do it. So it was the old Promise Keepers, if you remember. Oh yeah. Uh, that organization. Sure. And uh, so I went by myself, truly seeking, truly searching, saying, look, there's got to be more to this. I mean, yeah. I've got, I think at the time I had uh, one baby at home and another on the way. And I was working, you know, 80 hour weeks. I was on an international team. So I traveled around the world. So I got to have all these pleasures of seeing this beauty that was out there, but I knew something was was missing and I was stressed beyond belief. I mean, it just enormous amounts of stress in my life. Not abnormal to a, a young family, you know, just getting going. It is is not not you know it's self created. Sure. But um, I went there by myself. I felt enriched. I learned, um, and everything was going great. And then the last speaker came up that day, and the last speaker talked about that there's um, a a tendency we have to create walls in front of us, and then we ask God for help when we're in trouble. And he said, don't ask God to help and solve your problems. Ask God to show you what your problem is first. Show him what this wall is that you built. He didn't build a wall, you built it. And so he led us through this prayer and he said, real simple. He said, just don't pray for anything other than what is the wall? You know, just what is this thing that's been created in front of me that I created? And then we'll go on and we'll resolve the issue from there. But let's just figure out what the wall is. So this is honest to God, truth here, guys. Uh, I closed my eyes, I had my pen and paper in my hand. And I was praying and I said, okay, God, what's the wall? You know, what is it? What is causing my life to not be as enriched, as fulfilled, as happy as I, I should be for all these incredible things that are happening to me? And uh, when I got through the prayer, I went down and I had written the words, your future. 
And I don't remember writing those at, at all, but they were there. It was my handwriting. I'd written it on my, my notepad. Mm. And then I'm sitting there thinking, wow, this is kind of unique. I don't know what this means. But then the guy said, look, why don't you now close your eyes and pray again that God helps you with the wall that you built to break down this wall? Because now you can get specific. You can say, okay, God, here, take this wall for me. I built it. It's my fault, but I don't get it, but just take it away from me. So I'm like, well, this, you know, I've got nothing to lose here. And we seem to have some momentum going you know, with the mystery handwriting. So why don't I just go for this? And so I really just sat there in this deep meditated prayer by myself. It was me and 60,000 guys who I did not know, but I'm sitting there by myself. And uh, I just said the prayer. I said, okay, God, this, if you're telling me my future is my wall, then I need help because I don't understand this. Mm. And I need you to help me because it, it's, it's not right. And the way I describe this to people, I always felt like my uh, my tie was on too tight. You know, my collar was too tight. Uh, and then I'd reach up and realize I didn't have a, a, a tie on that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was wearing a t-shirt or something. So, like that type of stress. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, so I'm saying this prayer and I felt this presence come about me that I've never felt before. And it was a very, very peaceful thing. And I felt just this warmth, this love. It's the only example or the only word I can use to describe it. But then I... And I, I, I didn't, I, I'd say I heard a voice. Now, I don't know if this was my voice in my head, if it was, you know, the old Cecil B. DeMille, God, you know, calling down with lightning. I don't know what it was, but it was a voice. It was a message that clearly entered my head and my heart. And the words are real simple. Um, he said, <laughs> this is his quote, why are you so worried about your future when I blessed you so much in the past? And that moment, it just made me think about those words. Why are you so worried about your future when I blessed you so much in the past? It was almost a, a hug while he was whispering in my ear, how dare you? Mm-hmm. You know, look around. Why are you worried about the future? Why are you building a wall of stress and, 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 and a worry in front of you about your future when in reality, everything is really pretty good? You know, I blessed you. So don't create a story that's not there and trust me. And I sat there and I just felt this peace come about me and I just let it go. And I realized at that moment what God was and that the love that he had, it was for me. It was individual. It was a one-on-one type of thing. And what was funny, weird, I guess, was I I, I opened my eyes after the prayer was over with. I had tears streaming down my face. All the stress had gone. And I looked around and apparently 60-something thousand other people had gone too. The the thing was over. People were laughing, and I was just still stuck in there. So I thought to myself, I said, well, that probably looked a little weird. But, you know, uh, it's okay. There, there's no reason to worry about your future because God's got you. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it doesn't mean be stupid, but take advantage of the gifts he's giving you. Take advantage of the unique path that's coming. Embrace it. Run toward it. Love it because he, he loves you. And the second I had that, it just changed my life. And um, other things started to happen. I noticed what it really was about. I started reading and interpreting things differently. And um, the stress went away because I realized that God's got me. So when you look back on that time, what would you say was maybe the biggest decision you made or the one of the early decisions that you made based on this new understanding? Because of this new understanding, you did something that you wouldn't have done before. Yeah, it was absolute trust. Um, and by that, I, again, I don't mean sit there and jump off a cliff and go, I know he's going to catch you. He's probably not. He's going to look at you and go, well, that's adorable, but that's stupid. You know, you shouldn't have done that. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's to have faith and trust at the same time, knowing that, you know, God's giving you unique gifts. He's putting a unique path in front of you. So what happened is my career progressed and accelerated 
from that point on, I started noticing these unique paths. I started noticing unique people that were coming in my life and embracing them and getting to know them and experimenting and seeing what was happening. And it just continued to build and lead to things that allowed us to employ in the future hundreds and hundreds of people and, and deliver messages and deliver scholarships and to do things that you know, I never would have ever, ever dreamed of had I not opened my heart to know that the future is really, really good. And it's, I'm here for a reason. The people that are coming into my life are here for a reason. I have a mission. Be smart, do it right, and have faith. Yeah, is there a specific story you can share about a time where maybe you were thinking, okay, God, you've asked me to trust you in this, and, and I'm going to do this, and, and you know, it, it's something that I, I now know I need to do that? Is, was there something that... Uh, yeah, no, there's one one really good one. Um, and I'll, I'll try to give you a very, very short version of this. But um, I was working on my uh, my PhD at the time. And I worked for a big firm. And I had uh, asked them to pay for it. And they said, sure, but we want to approve the research. We, you know, In other words, we're not going to pay for it unless we get something out of it. Which I totally understood. So I went to them with this great idea. We say shot down pretty quick. And I went back with another idea. And I said, okay, well... You know how you have a tendency to call me up and send me around the world at a moment's notice. I have become understanding of the people around the world in that if you take away culture and language, wherever I am in the world, and this is before cell phones, before LinkedIn, before Facebook, there's no connectivity here. Mm -hmm. But wherever I am in the world, I found that when I'm talking to the best and the brightest, they're all the same people. So I could be in Mexico, I could be in Russia, I could be in China, Japan, wherever. And if you take away culture, it's the same person. They have the same wants, the same fears, the same dreams, the same love, the same compassion. And I started noticing this God thing that was there, that the world is so big and every one of them are truly his and we're all the same. So I went back to them, I said, can we study this? Can I study and see what it is that makes these people unique, especially the best of the best, the top performers? And they granted me permission to do that. And so we did. It's a five-year study. Uh, it's published. It's in 38 countries. Um, and it really changed my life because I was able to now take that and lecture and share the study and the message with everyone. And, and in doing so, the ultimate reveal of it is that these people are truly servant leaders, that these elite performers out there in the world that are doing things so different, yet doing things exactly the same, really do lead with their heart. And when they lead with their heart, they all have a mission, and it's about caring for other people before they care for themselves. And what I was able to do was also go back and reverse engineer it against some of the biblical stories, especially Paul's writings. And if you start dissecting that, you realize that everything that was going on then is exactly the same as it is now. And these top performers around the world, whether they're Christian or not, but by putting their heart first and caring for other people and expressing that love allowed tremendous opportunities and things to open up so they could serve more people, never for personal gain, but just so that the abundance that came upon them allowed them to open more doors to serve more people, to do whatever it is that they're doing, to give that little gift of love to someone else. And in seeing that over and over and over again, it just allowed me to kind of replicate it in my own life, or at least try to, but continue to teach and spread that message that it really is about caring for other people at the highest levels. And every leader should do it, and every, you know, every student should do it, and every mom and dad should do it, and it's just a matter of doing the right way. And it actually turns out to be the Jesus model. Yeah, and now that's what you put in your book, The Perfect Plan, uh, a study that reveals the secrets behind the world's elite leaders. Is that, uh, is that right? 
Yeah, uh, that's the airplane version of it. Yeah, gotcha. the, the original version was really thick, and uh, the editors came back and said, you know, this needs to be read on an airplane, but how can we be able to convey the message on it? And what we were able to find was that these these top tier people, again, they weren't always Christian, but they opened up every conversation with this really impassioned attitude of gratitude, this caring thing they had for the person that they were with. Then they clearly got to the point, and then ultimately, at the end, they, they, they sought to make other people's lives easier. So they opened up with an attitude of gratitude, they clearly educated them, and then they moved quickly to serve them and make their life uh, easier. And the irony of that is if you go back and, again, reverse engineer some things in the Bible, particularly Jesus' prayers, what does he do? He opens up with an attitude of gratitude. You know, Father, thank you. And it's an expression to God to say, thank you for being here. And then you throw out a few things, you know, clearly educating them, saying, okay, now what do you want me to do here? And then at the end, he made it easy by saying, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I'll go out there and care for all these people to do it. So the, this theme kept coming biblically. It kept coming through culture. It kept coming through all the people that we met. And the perfect plan is uh, the literary version of that study. Yeah, got it. So um, I, the perfect plan as a name, how did you come up with that? I mean, what? Is it, is, it, is it perfect in the sense that it's complete, or what's your thought about it? Well, that's a, that's a great story to itself. You know, I've been married for almost 30 years, and the secret to marriage is marrying someone who's smarter than you. Oh, yeah, but, got that. But, 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 they're, <laughs> but smart enough not to let you know it. You know, you, you got to act like you know you're the smart one, but, you know, she's really in control. Um, no, a day before we went to publishing, uh, we were arguing about the name of the book with the publishers, and they didn't like it, and they kept shutting it down. So my wife walked by, and she said, why don't you call it The Perfect Plan? And I just looked at her and said, "Oh my goodness, that's 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 right." I said, "That's the name." I said, "But I got I got we got to research this quickly." So um, we were talking about earlier, you know, um, Armin, that names come from different places and they mean different things, and everybody claims it. So I wanted to make sure that the word "perfect" was the proper term for what we wanted, uh-huh. and we, we had, had this fascinating discovery that in the English language, we've been using the word "perfect" the way we do now for about 170 years. And that means that it cannot get any better. It's finished. It's finite. It's the best of the best of the best of the best. It's perfect, right? Right. Well, every other language prior to that, including English, but going deep into the Hebrew, Aramaic, the Romantics, Greek, Latin, all of those words, the word perfect never meant you were finished. The word perfect literally means always becoming. Mm. So if you're perfect, you're always becoming. You're always getting better. And even when Jesus used the word, he said, be perfect, be like me. If you think about it, if, if we were using it, the, the term in the vernacular, we use it today, there, there's no way that can happen. How, how can we be that good? How can we be like Jesus? And why is he telling me that? He's setting unrealistic expectations. But he wasn't saying that. In Hebrew, uh, he was saying, or in Aramaic, what he was been speaking, he, he was saying, hey, it's okay. Be perfect. Always be getting better. Be like me. Always seek something new and better. Love it. So always, the, the getting better plan. And I, I love that. So the three things are gratitude, knowledge transfer, and service. Yep, that making someone's life easier. Yeah, and, and if you think about it, all, all three of those things are all giveaway things. You're giving away gratitude rather than, than, than trying to receive praise. You're giving away knowledge rather than trying to suck something out of somebody else. And of course, in service, you're giving away time um, and attention to another. Yeah, that's good. Making someone's life easier is the key to really expressing happiness. And that's what you found among the top performers when you've gone through in your doctoral research, you went 
to what, 27 different countries or however uh, many? You- uh, I, I don't know how many countries we went to. It's published in 38 countries gotcha. now. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I know I've been in more countries and I've been in states and I've been in 47 states. So that, that oh, says it. There you go. Now, so you were doing this in Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And you had this book published. Then what was your next step? I mean, how did you how did you get out of Wall Street? You you did quite a bit while you were there. I think you averaged a, a billion dollars in annual sales a year. Is that what I read in your yeah. bio? Yeah, top, I was a top performer. Yeah, we did over a billion dollars a year in sales, or I did, uh, on a global level. Was able to work on some really great projects that had impactful and meaningful uh, things occur around the world. But um, again, it's a Forrest Gump moment. Um, I was uh, doing some work in uh, the Czech Republic. Um, it had been free for about seven or eight years. My youngest son was four years old. I was getting packed to leave. And he said, Dad, I don't want you to go. And I said, well, what, what do you mean? You know, this is what I do. I have to go. I'll be back in four or five days. It'll, it'll be fine. And he just said, Dad, time's, it's time. And I just looked yeah. and I said, that's weird. And I was walking down the street. I was walking down Pariska Street um, in Old Town, Prague. And I just kept hearing my son's voice saying, Dad, it's time. It's time. And it was just like Forrest Gump again when he was running and quit running. Remember? Yeah. And everybody thought this was some wise moment, but he really was just done running. Uh, that was my done running time. I just came home and I said, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to leave every day and travel somewhere around the world. I'm going to stay home. And literally the next day, a firm called me and they said, hey, look, we'd love for you to come help us do exactly what you've done to these other places and bring the perfect plan and bring yourself and do this. The only problem is, I don't know if you're going to like this, but we really don't need you to travel anymore and go around the world. We want you to stay at home. And I was like, um, I think we can work that out. That's a, that's a really good idea. <laughs> so, uh, it, it, it led another firm and another firm. And then ultimately I started my own consulting businesses and sold it and started another firm. And uh, it's just been a great, um, great time. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. I mean, of course, we love our corporate sponsors, but I really love it when we have an episode that's sponsored by our listeners. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree with you. It's the best compliments we ever get is knowing that people are out there that want to invest in this to keep this going. And I think everybody knows, I hope by now that we are doing this as really as a passion project. Neither of us take any money from it. In fact, it costs us more than we are getting even in sponsorships to put this program out on the air. So every little bit helps. That's right. So if you want to help invest in this and keep this thing going, we'd love to see your support. Just go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate. And remember, every donation you make is a tax deductible contribution and comes from the bottom of our heart. A sincere thank you. Now, in all these firms that you've started, what do you think has been the common theme that God has been working on through you in each of those incarnations? Yeah, it was. Uh, t- it's clear. Thank you for that question, uh, because um, I, I have no doubt in my mind that it's to make other people better by inspiring them. I don't like motivating because motivating burns out. It's a short-term fuse. But inspiring means to breathe into and taking someone, giving them a chance, inspiring them. So and this is a little weird to say, so they can leave you. 
so they can leave you and go do great things and take their own unique path. And I've always approached it, that with our team, from management, senior executives to you know everybody who wakes up every day and comes in for their paycheck. But it's about, hey, how can we help make these people better? Give them a chance so they can accept whatever bold path is in front of them and God can use them. So I, I really look at it as I'm playing a part in a grand play. And if God's the director of that play and he puts me in somebody's life or a team's life or a business's life, um, I will perform at the highest levels and help make that play better until God says, okay, your part's over. Well, let's, let's move you over here and drop you into this situation. So it's really about just focusing on making people's lives better, inspiring them, and then hoping they leave you so they can go share that with somebody else. Well, if I had your wife here, I might ask if she if you've made her life better, but I would, you know, don't want to get to the final consequence of her leaving you as a, as a measure of success there. <laughs> she has made my life so great. She pushed me and pulled me all the right ways. Uh, when I had doubt in my, in my life, she was always the constant who said, look, you can do this. And yeah. again, not motivating, just inspiring. Yeah. Saying, you got this. Yeah. Go. So, so you kind of have this. Uh, you kind of have this mental model of catch, grow, and release. Is yeah. what you want to do with That's people. Great, great term. Yes, catch, grow, and release. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's really inspiring. I guess I, you know, now we can. Now you can leave me, or I can leave you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Now think about that. Well, I mean, what about, I mean, how selfish would it be to say, no, I want you to stay here and be on my team the rest of your yeah, life. Yeah. I put all this, I, I put all this in you, you owe me. Yeah. Yeah. And, which and I that, think is terrible. Well, and that's kind of the world's model, isn't it? Because we, you know, you hear about loyalty and commitment to loyalty and all of that. And, and there's this sense of obligation. I think a lot of people in work settings feel like they, they need to be loyal because of what they've been given. And I think that there's a part uh, that makes sense there, but I think the attitude in, as a leader should be, you're there to equip others to move on and serve those who they're t intended to serve. Yeah, 100%. And if you go back, that's the Christ model, right? Yes. I mean, uh, Christ had an 8.5% turnover rate, you know, one out of 12. So one of them didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of them came in and they, they, they left each other. And they said, we've got to go out there and, and do other things and radically went in different directions and then grew and planted seeds. And it just kept going and going and, and going. So to me, that's the ultimate model of leadership uh, is what Jesus put in front of us and said, just, you know, it's not always going to work out. But you know what? For the vast majority of it, it will if you just focus on love, caring about people and making their life easier. So let's do it. Let's go back to that focus on love thing, because we started there in our in your story. The young Don Barden uh, was really struggling with what that meant. Right. What do you tell young Don Bardens today when you encounter them? Uh, that I love them. Um, it really, I want all everyone on our team to know that they work in a safe place, that when they're here, um, they'll have room to be themselves. We all have a mission. I mean, we're not, it's not laissez-faire. You know, we all have a mission. We're all going together. We're running businesses. But they're, I, I want them to know that I love them. And sometimes, I mean, it's, you have to live in a workforce. You can't just go out there and hug people and tell them that. That's a little weird. That'll show up somewhere in court. But right. <laughs> you know, you've got to go up there and you've got to let them know that you love them and you care about them and that you put them first. So I want them to be able to say one time, hey, I used to work for this really old guy. But you know what? He loved me and he gave me a safe place to work and he let me be me. And he, he, he corrected me when I was wrong. He helped me when I needed help. 
but he inspired me. So I want them to look back as I'm the old guy that did that for them and planted that seed. Well, you really have taken and and brought in this idea of servant leadership, which we hear a lot about. It's a very bantered about term yeah, it's in almost business. A it, it becomes, it, it does, almost to the point where you just um, ignore it, you know, in, in yeah, servant leadership. But but I can tell, Don, from the way you talk and the stories that you share that this has really become part of your DNA. Yeah. Tell me, yeah. where do people get this wrong? What are some of the pet peeves that you've seen people practicing servant leadership, but it's not really servant leadership? Perhaps it's just veiled as such. Um, yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, I think um, you can tell the difference uh, between a true servant leader by one who puts others before themselves. And that even sounds cliche, but you can tell when it's real. You can tell when leadership in any organization really, really cares and they put it out there. And again, it doesn't mean they don't have to make tough decisions sometimes, but you can tell when someone's just up there bantering and they're, they're really doing it for themselves and their own pocketbook and their own checkbook uh, versus what they're doing for other people around. And we have this little saying here that when someone shows you who they really are, believe them. You know, don't try to make them something they're not. So when you see some of these people using servant leadership as a cliche, they will reveal themselves to you who they really are for the good and for the bad. And it's okay to, to, to walk away and say, hey, look, you know, you're not really doing it the right way. But the key is that they really are putting other people first. And, and I'll tell you an interesting thing on the side. Uh, if perfect means always becoming, serve or servant actually has two root meanings in Greek and Latin. Uh, one of them was serva which means a hero. So a servant in the earliest languages was a hero, someone who really put other people for themselves and they would sacrifice. And the other one, I think it was in Greek, uh, a servant was a professed lover. So think about that. It's someone who loved the people they were with so much and cared for them so much that they professed it. Mm. They didn't just sit there and act like a humble Opie Taylor, gosh shucks. They were proud that they were there to serve other people and to do things. So, well, again, we've changed words and terms over years, but you can tell when someone's for real. Yeah. So let's dive into this in a little, in a practical way, okay? Because I remember reading uh, Larry Crabb. You probably know who Larry Crabb sure. is. A long time ago, he said, you know, if you're being a servant, when you start to feel like nobody is there to meet your needs. Yeah. Uh, how, do you, how do you draw a boundary between all the people that might come at you wanting something from you? Um, sure. and, and, and healthy kind of self-management as well so that you don't just become at the agenda of, of everybody that might want something from you. Yeah, it's learned. Um, I was talking about that with someone today. We're about to make some our sort of year-end charitable contributions are coming up. And I told him that in the beginning, we tried to follow that whoever asked will receive. We'll just give to whoever. And it, then everybody starts showing up. Yeah, you know, and you're like, well, well we, we we can't do, we don't have the resources to do it, and we're off mission, and, and what's going on? So we learned, which is again part of the process. We learned that whatever the mission is of the time, which in your life is seasonal. Sometimes it can be children, it can be healthcare, then it can be moving toward mental illness or, or whatever. That yeah, you know, we will create parameters around the mission so we can give an impact the best we can because so many people come out and they're good people. They're just raising their hand and asking. I got no problem with that. But as a servant, you can be mistook for someone that can be sort of run over and taken advantage of. And I do think there's some people out there who want to take advantage of you. And what we found is when they come out and, and try to do things like that, 
you learn to ignore it. You learn to step away. You learn when things aren't right. And that sometimes as a servant, you just can't help some people. Mm -hmm. And it's because either they're too far gone or their mission doesn't align with yours and you really do need to just step away. So it's a learned thing. You learn to step away. You learn to focus on what the mission is. And um, that means you're not going to make mistakes, but at least you do it with the right heart. So I'm thinking about this idea of servant leadership and really how do you sniff out what's authentic? And I know you said you can tell, um, yeah. but um, there, there seems probably to be some characteristics of authentic servant leaders. Would you, would you say? Yeah, uh, there's three big ones in my mind. Um, number one, they're creative and not competitive. Uh, they're there to create new ideas, to innovate thought, to look at things differently from a creative way and not to be competitive. Now, Competitive is a weird word. Uh, compendo, the Greek root of it, uh, or compendi, if it's masculine or feminine, uh, means the same, static. So if somebody says, I'm real competitive, that means you're saying, well, you're really just just <laughs> like everybody else. No big deal. You're, you're the same. But um, I do think competitive, if you want to be better, is fine. But wanting somebody else to lose is, is bad. So number one, they're creative. Yep. They're not competitive. Good. Number two, I found that they exceed expectations at all times. There is no average. There is no meeting a deadline on time. That true servant leaders exceed expectations, either in the delivery or the experience or the embrace or whatever it is. And then finally, the third thing that I like to look for in servant leaders is, are you giving forward? without any expectation of anything in return. So it's not about giving back. Giving back is buying Girl Scout cookies. You should buy all the Girl Scout cookies there is, folks. I mean, buy Girl Scout cookies, but that's just a transaction. That's just giving back a little bit. Giving forward is when someone has a mission to their people, their community, their, their vision, whatever it is, and they're going in that direction without any expectation of anything in return. So create, don't compete, exceed expectations, and give forward without any expectation of anything in return. Those are the big three in my eyes. Wow, I love that. I love that. Well, let's let's ask you our final question here and tell tell us what your next bold idea is. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody asked me that the other day in an interview. They said, what are you, what's your life going to be like next year? And I said, I don't know, but it's going to be great. God's <laughs> going to put something out there. We're going to be able to help people. It's going to be rinse and repeat. Uh, we're going to do some, some great things. So uh, I really wish I could tell you about my future. But uh, going back to that original moment, you know, May 23rd, 1996, 4.30 in the afternoon, why are you so worried about your future when I bless you so much in the past? I don't worry about my future. So I don't know what the next bold idea is going to be. But I do know that God's going to put people in my life and in your life and everyone's life that we have an opportunity to collaborate. We have an opportunity to get to know each other. We have an opportunity to love. Uh, not only just other people that you see face to face and around, but you know, people around the world can feel your love by your mission and your service and what you're doing. Because Life really is a ripple effect that if you're truly a servant leader, you, you have to come to the realization that you're going to be helping people that you'll never know about and you'll never hear about. But you know what? They're going to help someone and they're going to help someone and either a generation or two away or a world away. That ripple effect is going to be there. And maybe one day we'll know how it went. But it, it, in the end, moment to moment, you just don't know. You just get up do your thing every day and you know, God's going to do the rest. Oh, uh, well, Don, I'm going to make a prediction about your future. Uh-oh. Good? Right. No, here it is. Here it okay. is. I predict a lot of people are going to be leaving you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Because <laughs> I think you're, I think you're going to be inspiring. Just in the last half hour, I'm, I'm ready to leave you. And unfortunately, I guess we do have to leave you. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, so before we do leave you, tell us how can our listeners get a hold of you in case they don't want to let go. Yeah, you know, send me an email. That's the best thing. It's Don, D-O-N, at D-W-Barden, B-A-R-D-E-N.com. Don at D-W-Barden.com. Uh, you can also go to Don W Barden.com. Uh, look me up on LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, it's the real me. I'm there and I'm here to help anybody who uh, raises their hand and says, hey, let's, let's chat. Oh, that's awesome. We'll include that email address and the links to your socials and all the rest on our show notes. And Don, want to just thank you again for being a part of this episode and for inspiring so many people uh, with what you do and how you do it. Oh, thank you guys. And again, like I said at the beginning, thank you for what you're doing. Go out there and inspire people, share the word and touch people that you'll never see. But your greatness is coming through. So I appreciate you guys doing what you're doing. All right. Well, thanks again. Well, I mean, I like Don Barton. He's a, uh, he's a, he's the real deal. Yeah. You guys are two peas in a pod. <laughs> I don't know about two peas in a pod, but man, <laughs> I, I'm kind of grooving off this guy. He's got a lot of, uh, he's got a lot of energy and, um, I just love the way he, he thinks about, uh, his world. I think if you guys were, uh, to spend time together, I think you two might become best friends real quick. I got to get to Nashville. Is that where, no, Atlanta. He's in Atlanta. I'm going to be in Atlanta in December. I Are you? There you up. go. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Now you know who to stock while you're there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what are your thoughts, Larry? I know your, your, your mind was moving a million miles per hour and you could have probably kept talking to him for another couple hours. Oh, easily. I know. You know, and it's, it's funny. You have to tease the story of somebody to really get the context. You know, I think yeah. context is so important to understand the message that somebody is giving. You know, you could just dive right into somebody's message, mm -hmm. but if you don't know what they've been through and how that message has been formulated and where they're coming from, it yeah. doesn't have the same color and it doesn't have the same strength. Right. So I think we got to really, and <laughs> what you can get in a half an hour, you know, that's part of the problem, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but we, we got a really interesting texture to Don's story and uh, in the backdrop that he had there. And I, I know a number of our audience listeners can probably identify with that, but what, um, what what struck me was just the simplicity of what he found as he was talking to all of these or researching these elite leaders from across the world, that able to distill it down into those three things, which he he basically tied back to what basically is a biblical narrative, you know, gratitude. Uh, what I wrote down is knowledge transfer, sharing something you know, and, uh, and then serving, giving of yourself. And yeah. as I noted during the show, the thing that kind of stood out to me is each of those are not about accumulation they're really a mindset of giving. Yeah. And fundamentally, if that's how we view the world, if we view that even the bold idea that God might be inspiring of in us, I think a lot of the reasons why we may not act on a bold idea is because we think about the cost to us rather than what the world might lose if we don't act on it. Oof. Wow. You know, and, and so it's, again, thinking about us rather than what we can, can receive, whether we receive comfort or receive pain, you know, yeah. as a cost, the risk, we, it keeps us from doing the bold idea as opposed to saying, you know what, if God's inspired this in me, then there's somebody there that this is for. Mm. And it would not be good stewardship on my part to hold that back. Yeah. And so part of servant leadership and authentic servant leadership, I think is what we're really talking about here with Don. Part of authentic servant leadership is to release the bold idea that God has in you. Because when you do that, then you do it out of gratitude for the gift he's given you. You do it out of, out of the idea that you're going to help inspire somebody else with some knowledge 
that they didn't have before, some perspective that they didn't have before that enables them to do something they couldn't do before. And then you do it in a way that gives yourself to them. That's truly giving. That's, that's servant leadership. Yeah. And that, and I, I I love the way that he's just simplified it. It's about them, not you. Um, Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a, that's a hard mentality to, uh, grab a hold of and do anything with. It seems simple, right? But as soon as you're on the grind, everything is about you. And I, and I would say there's there's certain cultures, American culture being one of them, Chinese culture. There's uh, there's certain cultures in this world where that paradigm is dang near impossible to have because. It is so materialistic. It is mm-hmm. so about you. It is so about perspective and persona. It is so about all these things that make it almost impossible for you to act truly, genuinely, authentically care for someone else more than yourself, especially in a leadership role and a professional role. Uh, yeah, I would have to say he's one of the few people that I've run across that has, has articulated that his role is to help others leave him. Yeah, you know, and that was such, well said. You know, just that. Yeah. That's that's. I see it as a sign of me doing the right thing if they're inspired to go off and do something as a consequence of having spent time with me. You yeah. know, and I assume they're not running away from him, but they're running to something. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of leaders who have people leave them, but for the wrong reasons. Right. Absolutely. They're leaving because of the leader. Yeah. Not leaving because of the leader. Yeah, and I, I mean. I, yeah, it's a great sign of success. And I think uh, often we have the mentality that says the longer they stay with me, the better the leader that I am. And if they ever leave me, I failed. And he's kind of just turning that paradigm around. Well, right? or even to say I am investing in them so they can take over for me. It's yeah. still that's still very much about me and my legacy and mm-hmm. my ability to have continuity as opposed to saying, you know, well, let continuity take care of itself. You equip the people that you have under you yeah. or that you have on your team to be their very best. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think that what he's talking about has a multiplication impact um, on organizations and teams where I think typical uh, leadership styles in terms of leaderships uh, development or team management or whatever it might be. I think it, it, it adds value to the team, but doesn't have that multiplication factor in it. You know, like mm-hmm. what he does is just the, w- the way that he describes servant leadership, the way that he takes out competition and focuses on the creativity and all those things that he's breaking down. I mean, you can just sense the multiplication effect of that and not, you know, the typical, I'll make you a little bit better today. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you this question, I mean, because yeah. I want to know where your mind went. I, I can tell you where mine went. When he gave the three lists of, the three things that are kind of the marks of an authentic leader, right? One yeah. is they're creative, not competitive. The other is they exceed, exceed expectations, expectations all the time, yep. right? They consistently exceed expectations. And that they're giving forward uh, without expectation, right? And so when he starts talking about those, is immediately I'm kind of like, okay, I'm putting myself on a scoring system. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, how, how are we doing here? Yeah. You know? And I thought that those three things are actually, it's pretty good to use as maybe a self-appraisal, an inventory to say, you know, am I really pushing myself to live to that standard? And just evaluate your day and say, yeah. look, at the end of the day, did I, um, did I help others with my creative expression or did I 
treat it as a win-lose as yeah. opposed to a win-win. Yeah. You know? I was looking at this list and uh, thinking the same thing, but I think there was a conviction that came with it because I don't know if I do more than one of those three things. Yeah, I know. I, the, you know, for me, it exceeds expectations all the time. I'm like, well, I know I have a pretty high expectation for myself, but, you know, I don't think I want to know exactly where I end up in terms of everybody else's expectations of me. You know, <laughs> yeah. Because I think in my own internal self-dialogue, I fail on that score so many times. And then, of course, giving forward without expectation. I mean, to be expectation-free, that to me is really one of those challenges. I think a real cool mental challenge to say. That's you know, the only one I don't have a challenge with. Is that right? Yeah, it's the other two that I... I'm competitive, and I don't know if I honestly, I don't know if I even care that much about exceeding expectations <laughs> a lot of times. Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? I do. Because some people just make such a bigger deal about something than it really yeah. needs, uh -huh. and, or the the situation requires, and I, I I'm just not the exceed their expectations at all at all times and all projects on all everything. I'm just. Uh -huh. I, I'm not that guy. Yeah. So for me, the third one of giving forward without expecting anything, I think that's the only one I can probably that's do good. on a regular basis. You're, the other two, I'm... You're good on that one. The others are a little harder. Yeah, so I scored 33% on that test. <laughs> well, I think there's probably something in there for all of us. <laughs> well, let us know how you scored on that test, if you dare so, or uh, any other comments that you might have. As I said, we'll have... Uh, Don's email and also the links to his social media on our web page for this podcast. That Those show notes can be found at boldideapodcast.com slash 76. Or leave us a comment uh, there or on our show line at 612-568-IDEA, 612-568-4332. We sure hope you enjoyed this episode and we uh, invite you to share this with your friends. And we thank you again for listening. And until next time, this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. Saying so long, be bold, and get that bold idea out there for goodness sakes. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.